Hello, everybody. It's October 7th, 2022. It's time for the Friday edition of the Sports Wagon Podcast. This is episode 177 in your programs and scorecards. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Oh, boy, I tell you, sometimes when you have these... Um, snafus when trying to record and i'm you know doing a late record today and i'm trying to get the track in you know in a fairly expedient manner and my technology is just being real goofy so i'm recording this on my phone i'm hoping it's going to come out okay uh we'll get through this best way we can um so we'll start with the world of major league baseball so again it's a big day so it's wild card day so we'll update uh wild card in just a moment um going back to uh tuesday night in arlington versus the texas rangers Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees breaks the American League single-season home run record. So the record stood for 61 years. The record was broken literally three days after the 61st anniversary when Roger Maris passed Babe Ruth. So Roger Maris Jr. has been tracking this all season. I believe he was at the game when the record was tied. And um, in passing his father, he said that Judge should be recognized as the true home run king. Uh, Aaron Judge, in speaking about the accomplishment, said, you know, we know that he grew up outside of San Francisco and he acknowledged that Barry Bonds record of 73 home runs in a season is the rightful season mark. So, again, kind of some a little bit of difference of opinion as to who is, you know, in the home run conversation or who is the best. Um, you know, congratulations to that young man. Uh, again, such a you know great accomplishment. Um, again, with that type of accomplishment, you know that the big picture or the big goal for him and the Yankees is to win another championship. So they start their quest very soon as the wild cards uh, get started today. Um, so let's go into MLB. A few news and notes from Major League Baseball. The Los Angeles Angels. So they have named Phil Nevin the permanent manager. So he was the interim manager. And he was promoted from third base coach after they fired Joe Madden back in June. Um, so the, uh, the the locker room, the guys really uh, praised Phil Nevin for his leadership this season. They think he's a you know a really fantastic manager, and so you know it's going to be interesting to see uh, what he'll do. So Nevin gets a one year contract uh, from the Angels. Um, but unfortunately, now the question is, what will Phil Nevin do to kind of get this team, um, you know, with, with the talent they have? I mean, this is the eighth straight season they're going to miss the playoffs. Now, this is a team that has won at least two World Series titles. So, and you know, we're, it's been a few years, but you know, the the ability to do it is there. The talent is there. Now, can Phil Nevin kind of mold this team? into a squad that can kind of make this happen so that's kind of the big question so we'll see how that goes um tony la Russa, he retires as the manager of the chicago white Sox, and it sounds like he's reti- retired for good sounds like that uh he will be remaining with the organization in the front office from the reports that i'm hearing but essentially he's having a health issue i don't know what specifically the issue is but um, reports are saying that doctors have told him specifically that, you know, he cannot, you know, manage baseball anymore. So La Russa spent some uh, some years in Chicago a number of years ago. We know he's won World Series titles with St. Louis and also with the Oakland A's. Um, but the other piece of this is here's a team that made the playoffs last year. Lots of talent. And this team was just underperforming for the vast majority of the season. So again, 
another team that's out looking for you know a manager that can kind of mesh with this group and try to um, kind of get the full potential out of these guys. Um, I think I said it here uh, when Lewis was hired. I thought that was a very odd choice. I mean, I know that there's a relationship between Larusa and Jerry Reinsdorf, but I mean, again, you know, we're talking a relationship that goes back many, many years. And, you know, the joke is, well, he felt bad about firing him however many years ago. And now he wanted to give him another chance. I'm going, look, I get it. I mean, that's your buddy, but it, let's let's face it. I think the ship has sailed at this point. Um, you know, he's you know gone on to you know. It's not like he didn't go on to not be successful. He went on. He was still successful, uh, winning World Series title. So again, I don't really think Larusa was owed anything. But I mean, I get it. You know, he still wanted to be a manager. He still wanted to be in baseball. He got the opportunity again. Got this White Sox team. You know, I mean, I was surprised. Got him to got him to the playoffs. But again, like I said, this year with the talent looking like they could probably make another push towards the playoffs and maybe go maybe a touch further, but just didn't have um, all the just didn't have enough to kind of uh, kind of repeat what they did last year. So um, they're out looking for a new manager. The Kansas City Royals fire Mike Matheny and pitching coach Cal Edred. Uh, the team finished, uh, sorry, Eldred rather, team finished 65 and 97. If you remember Matheny, uh, Matheny rather, I'm sorry, Mike Matheny rather. Uh, Mike Matheny coached the Cardinals for seven years. He Then they won the AL pennant, and there was an NL pennant in 2013. Um, so after uh, Matheny was let go in St. Louis, uh, he went to Kansas City and he was in the front office and he took the managerial job after Ned Yost retired. And in the spring, the team exercised his 2023 option. Um, but again, with this poor performance, again, you look at the fact that their pitching was not very good. So they had a lot of young talent that just wasn't developed. Um, if you look at the numbers, Kansas City had the fourth worst ERA and the worst whip in Major League Baseball. So again, you know, pitching pitching stinks. You're going to lose. Simple. I mean, we all know how baseball works. Um, also, an interesting metric here uh, with uh, the um, during the time of uh, Mike Matheny, um, there was a lots of new talent that made their debut during his uh, during his watch. So 29 players made their major league debut during his tenure. So if you think about it, that's kind of good and bad because again, they have veterans on this team, but again, you know, the veterans didn't quite, you know, live up to, you know, what they could do. And then of course, if you're bringing in a lot of new guys to kind of mix in with with veterans and then you're not developing the pitching, you know, disaster will ensue. So after uh, this tenure, uh, Matheny finished 165 and 219 as the manager of the Kansas City Royals. Um, so playoffs, let's look at this real quick. So with playoffs, we have currently wildcard wild card Friday. So currently top of the eighth, two outs. Um, it is two to one Guardians over Tampa Bay. So again, this is a best of three series. So we'll see how this one ends. Um, 
next game, and that's on ESPN. Um, so Shane McClanahan versus Shane Bieber in that game. There was the pitching matchup. 2.07 p.m. ABC. The Phillies visit the Cardinals. Zach Wheeler goes against Jose Quintana. 4.07 p.m. on ESPN. The Mariners visit Toronto to take on the Blue Jays. That's Luis Castillo versus Alex Manoa. And then the, the nightcap, 8.07 p.m. ESPN from City Field. The Padres visit the Mets. You Darvish versus Max Scherzer. So we'll reset the deck on the um, Major League uh, wild cards uh, on Monday. NFL Thursday Night Football. Well, we got a classic stinker last night. The Colts over the Broncos 12-9 in overtime. Seven field goals in this game. So six field goals and the seventh one decided it. Matt Ryan, 26 for 41, 251 yards and two interceptions. Russell Wilson goes 21 for 39, 274 yards and two interceptions as well. So the thing you can say about this game is both defenses were playing well. (laughs) But other than that, that's really all that we need to report for Thursday Night Football. The Broncos are now two and three. They go to the Los Angeles Chargers, who are two and two. They'll play them on October 17th for Monday Night Football, ESPN, 8.15 p.m. Indianapolis at 2-2-1 will be home for the Jaguars on October 16th, 1 p.m. on CBS. Um, notable games on Sunday, there's really about four, and I'm I think I'm stretching it here because a lot of the matchups that are uh, going to go down on Sunday are kind of two and two teams or teams that are two and two versus one and three teams whatever but notables um now this one's going to be a london game from tottenham uh the tottenham spurs stadium in london 9 30 a.m on nfl network the three and one giants at the three and one packers so that should be that's probably going to be one of your better games of the day um a classic nfc uh central matchup um Bears vikings the so the bears visit minnesota at two and two and the vikings are three and one one p.m on fox uh, 1 p.m. CBS, the Dolphins, 3-1, and one, visits the Jets, who are 2-2. Two and two. And 425 on Fox, the 3-1 and one Cowboys visit the 2-2 two and two Los Angeles Rams. NASCAR, the final race of the round of 12, the Bank of America Roval 400 at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Road Course, 109 laps. The green flag drops 2 p.m. on NBC. Kyle Larson is your defending champ. So, again, Monday we'll reset the deck on baseball and we'll reset the deck on NASCAR as we get into the round of eight. And we'll see, you know, who's going to advance. We already know Chase Elliott is already with a win last week. He's already into the round of eight. So we're going to go look at the standings. And, again, we'll kind of look at, you know, who has, you know, a good chance to kind of make something of this NASCAR season. All right, so let's get to the nitty-gritty, college football. So after looking through all of the picks, and actually I'm going to kind of take another quick look, um, I'm only seeing about 12 games this week. I wanted to check one other thing. I always like to make sure I'm not forgetting any games. Uh, I think I did check this, any games happening uh, HBCU games of no, I think there may be a, no, obviously there's some coming up very soon, but, um, I think I'm only looking at 12 games this week, which, okay, we'll take 12. Um, so again, the number 12, that's kind of not too bad because again, now, well, look at, look at two ways. I can go 10 and two, six and six, or we flip the 10 and two, go two and 12, uh, two and 10. But we see, it seems like the more games I call, the slightly better the record, so we'll see how it goes. So we'll start tonight. So there is one game of note tonight. Uh, 
visits the home of college football, Piscataway, New Jersey, to take on the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers at 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Nebraska are three-point favorites. I'm going to take the Scarlet Knights here. I mean, I think this will be close now. We know Rutgers got their doors blown off by Ohio State last week. And, again, look, we would expect that. Ohio State is beating people. I mean, beating people. I mean, I say that with 12 A's and three three T's. They're beating people. But I think Rutgers comes out a little bit mad. I mean, Nebraska, I think, is, you know, they're, they're getting incrementally better. Um, but I think now if Nebraska wins this game, that's good for them. I think Rutgers close in this one. Let's look at the Saturday slate. So, really, I got games up till, up till 8 p.m. So, again, Pac-12 about the dark ain't looking too interesting right now. But I'm sure we'll see some more interesting matchups in the week to come because I think we are about the halfway point of the season. And in the next three weeks, we're going to see the first college football playoff uh, rankings. And I think I did talk through that um, last time. I kind of mentioned a little bit about some of the CFP stuff, or at least I thought I did. Anyway, uh, we'll kind of get into that stuff a little bit later as we get closer, knowing that, you know, we know who the top four teams are. And then from there, you know, usually those top four teams are usually your first four in the CFP rankings. And I've always said with the CFP, you know, really the ones to pay attention to are the first and the last. The ones in the middle Unless there's some significant movement, some major upset, the ones in the middle don't really matter. I mean, people tune in every week for the drama. They tune in every week for the, okay, let's listen to the talking heads, you know, Herb Street and Galloway and Palmer and, you know, all those guys sit around and powwow and talk about this, that, and the third. And, well, maybe this happened or if this, who cares? Um, the first and the last are the ones you want. Anything in the middle, unless somebody, unless, you know, you, you think about who's going to be number one. Let's say right now, you know, you could make a case for Georgia and Alabama. Right now, Alabama's number one in the poll, Georgia's two. You could make a case for either one. But the idea here is unless one of those teams got knocked off, that's going to throw the whole thing into a tizzy. So we'll see how it goes. All right, Saturday, let's start noon ESPN. Number eight, Tennessee, two-and-a-half-point favorites head to the Louisiana Death Valley to visit number 25, LSU. I'll take Tennessee. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit more than two-and-a-half, but, I mean, LSU, they are tough. They're scrappy, uh, but I'll take the volunteers over LSU. Noon on Fox Sports 1. Uh, number 17 TCU at 4-0, who are six-and-a-half-point favorites, visit Lawrence, Kansas to take on number 19 Kansas Jayhawks. And college game day is going to be in Lawrence. I think that scratches them off the list. I think there are now, I want to say, seven Power 5 teams who have not been visited by college game day. So I think Syracuse and Virginia are two of them. I forget the other five or so. But, I mean, hey, congratulations to Kansas, but it's weird because the basketball version of college game day has been to Kansas, but not the football. So I'm sure it's going to be wild tomorrow in Lawrence. I'm going to take Rock Chalk Jayhawk. I'm going to take Kansas over TCU, although this is going to be a tough game. Six and a half sounds about right. I think this could be six or less. This is going to be, I think this will be a tighter game uh, than we think. Um, Noon on SEC. Arkansas visits Stark Vegas to take on number 23 Mississippi State who are nine point favorites I'll take the Bulldogs here um, I'm starting to kind of 
wake up and believe a little bit more in Mississippi State. And I watch Arkansas wake up and play some football this week, but I'll take Mississippi State. Noon on ABC, the 118th meeting between Texas, who are nine-point favorites, and Oklahoma, the 118th Red River shootout for the Golden Hat. I'm going to take the Longhorns here over Oklahoma. Um, we'll just call it what it is. <laughs> You know, you know how you know how my Texas picks go. So we'll, we'll just I'm gonna say it and walk away. Noon on Big Ten Network, who are three point favorites. So I talk. Okay, they got it from Minnesota. Are they gonna have a letdown against Maryland? I say yes. I'm gonna take Maryland. I'll take them by more than three. Three thirty on Fox Sports One. Texas Tech goes to Stillwater to take on number seven Oklahoma State. So Texas Tech has kind of been, you know, they're a little bit rejuvenated, but I don't think they're there yet. I'm gonna take Oklahoma State. Um, maybe a little bit more than nine and a half. I'll say by I, I will. I'll take ten. So we'll say nine and a half. We'll say ten. I'll take them by ten over the Red Raiders. Seven thirty on Fox. Washington State goes to Los Angeles, the Coliseum, to take on sixth ranked USC. The Trojans are thirteen point favorites. Um. This game is interesting to me because I'm liking Washington State. I don't know if I like them that much to beat USC. I think they might hang with USC for a little bit, but I think USC will prevail and take this game over Washington State. Number 16, BYU at Notre Dame. This game is part of the Shamrock Series. They'll be at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, 7.30 on NBC. Irish are three and a half point favorites. I'm going to take BYU here. BYU, now, if you remember, they had that rushing attack last year. Big offensive line. They're big up front. Um, they've got the offense. They've got the defense. I think they might be – I think they're going to overwhelm Notre Dame. I'm going to take BYU in that matchup. Um, 7.30 on ESPNU, Kansas State, 20th ranked and one and a half point favorites. Visit Ames to take on the Cyclones of Iowa State. I'm going to take Kansas State here. Kansas State. So this has really been a good uh, a good year for Kansas football, Can the state of Kansas. You know, Kansas is playing well. K-State's playing well. And, you know, we always expect K-State to play well. They've, they've had a great tradition of great players and great coaches. But to have both Kansas and Kansas State, playing well the the sunflower showdown is going to be amazing in in november it's going to be an amazing game because usually um with the exception of maybe a handful of times this has been a one-sided affair for k-state but now kansas is showing up to the party playing a little football because again kansas is saying look we're more than a basketball school so there you go so we'll take kansas state over iowa state 730 big 10 network iowa visits champagne to take on the illini of illinois university of illinois illinois are three and a half point favorites i'm gonna take illinois here i don't know i'm just not really believing in iowa these days again we we typically see good offense from iowa we see strong defense and i think they're there but they're just not the Iowa football that we typically see. I'm going to take Illinois because Illinois is playing really good football. I think Illinois, I mean, they went to Camp Randall and smacked around Wisconsin. And, of course, that caused, uh, that uh, costs, rather, cost um, Paul Chris's job. And really, I'm going to keep it real with you. I'm still blown away back that Chris got let go. But, I mean, of the, we've, we've what, five Power 5 coaches have been fired at this point. And Chris getting fired was just mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing. Um, 
Last game, Florida State uh, visits number 14, NC State. I did not get the line on that game, but I'm going to take the Wolfpack at home uh, over Florida State. All right, so last thing, as we always do over Friday, we do dubs and L's, and, and lately I just haven't been really finding any dubs. I mean, I know they're out there. It's just they just haven't really been dropping in my lap, but I'll give you an L this week. I got an L, and... um. Yeah, this is this is kind of relating to Brittany Griner. So uh, we all know college basketball kicked off this week. So media days, I know for I know ACC women media days is next week. So I'm so I'm going to assume that, and I'm going to have to check on this that uh, women's basketball media days will start next week, and then the men will probably follow the following week. Um, but many coaches have, you know, first day press conference, first week press conference. And Kim Mulkey had an opening press conference with at, at LSU. And she was asked a question about Brittany Griner and she declined to comment. Now, let's kind of set the table here. In past interviews, she has been asked about Grit, Brittany Griner situation. And she said, hey, you know, I'm praying for her, you know, so on and so forth. But. In that moment, she chose she chose not to comment, and I don't know. That's very telling to me. Um, let me put it in another perspective here. Her successor, Nikki Collin at Baylor, in her press conference, a recent press conference, took five on Brittany Griner. So what does that say? Um, a lot of Kim Mulkey's former players spoke out either. Uh, on Twitter, either very thinly veiled. I think Queen Egbo just came out and just said it. Look, you got to be careful about, you know, do your research, do your homework on who you're going to go play for. I mean, Queen Egbo just said it. Um, uh, one of the other players who I forget who it was, it may have been, um, and her name just escaped my head. Anyway, some players on Twitter was were basically just like, this is messed up. Did Not directing tweet it at Coach Mulkey, but Queen Egbo put it out there like, look, do your homework, but that ain't right. So, you know, why? You could have just said the same thing and kept it moving. Or you could have expounded on that previous comment, you know, I pray for her. I mean, there there's history. I don't want to get into all the history and all the things that have been in their past. But, I mean, that's very telling about a coach. Because in many cases we have um, coaches, you know, coaches have coach speak. And you hope that it's not that you hope that the things that they're saying are genuine. But to kind of say things like we we're family, we look out for each other. There's, you know, this, that and third. You hope coaches mean it and you can tell when it's genuine. Um, It's an observation that the relationship she has with her with her former players don't seem very close. So that could be very telling of some things how the relationship was when they played for her. So again, I really think that that was very cowardly, disgusting, and just really sad when your successor has more to say about your former player than you considering what Brittany Griner meant to that Baylor program and means to basketball and means to many people. And again, you know, we I'm hoping that there is some resolution. I know her. Um, she's having an appeal hearing very soon. So, you know, I'm hoping that goes well. But there's reports that saying she's feeling very, very sad, very lost, that things aren't going to go well, that she's going to be forgotten. So, again, we have to continue to, you know, 
keep remembering Brittany Griner, keep praying for her that hopefully that something will come of this, that, you know, she is being unjustly held and she needs to be freed and freed today. I mean, like now. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with that, that was a quick rundown. Uh, like I said, I had to do this on my phone, but I'm, I'm hoping it's going to sound good. And this actually went way better than I thought. But ladies and gentlemen, oh, one thing, got a Wednesday conversation coming at you next week. I'm really excited about this. I'm working on finishing editing it. So I'm hoping, you know, we'll, we're going to have it ready for you, but it's going to be great. Um, I think this might be my longest interview of this podcast, but we had a great time doing it. And um, I'll kind of, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll drop it on Wednesday. So hope you love it. But until I talk to you again on Monday, uh, make sure you do all the things that you need to do. Flu season, COVID's still here. Protect yourself, mask up, uh, get your flu shot. And always remember to drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Oh, and I always end with that. But I just want to, again, thank you for listening. Um, rate, review. Um, hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Now you can go about drinking your water and minding your business. Take care. Peace. Have a great weekend.